Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Ag Innovation News Podcast, presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. I'm Dan Scogan, your host for the Ag Innovation News Podcast. Now, guests on the Ag Innovation News Podcast shed light on innovations in value-added agriculture, highlight important voices and work that's being done throughout the Minnesota ag sector, and educates the public about resources and organizations that support Minnesota agriculture. Today, we bring you the second of two special episodes of the Ag Innovation News Podcast, where we will continue to discuss the Bold Open, a reverse pitch innovation challenge that kicked off last month and invites bright minds to help solve important food and ag industry challenges. On today's segment, we will be including a conversation with Dr. Elizabeth Clovis from Step One Foods. But if you have not heard our first episode, let's revisit the conversation that we had with AURI Executive Director Shannon Schleck as he shared insights on what the Bold Open is, how it works, and how it impacts the food and egg industries. Good morning, Dan. It's great to be here with you today and talk about Bold Open and innovation. Well, let's begin first with the big question by educating our listeners on Bold Open. Can you describe what the Bold Open is and how it's formatted? The Bold Open is really a unique program that we started back in 2018. And we were looking at ways that we could explore you know, innovation and how do we accelerate it and move some of these opportunities forward. I would say through more of a pull approach. So really looking at what problems exist out in the food and egg industry and finding companies that are really looking for novel solutions and ways that we can help spread the word around what those are and then identify those entrepreneurs and innovators that want to collaborate and move their ideas forward with commercialization opportunities. So it really started with the Embold Coalition, which is a Minnesota CEO-driven coalition of food and agricultural businesses. We had identified innovation as a, a pillar of focus, and we're just thinking about what are potential initiatives that we could take. And this idea of a reverse pitch and an open innovation platform was one that felt like it was very tangible and really built upon the strengths of our ecosystem here of these established companies and thinking about innovation a little bit differently. Programs like this had been done in the IT area and the biotechnology area. And why not try it in food and agriculture was kind of the, the thought at the time to broadcast these innovation challenges out and take that more open approach of R&D and innovation and, and move it along. In short, I would say, Dan, it, it really was how do we flip this entrepreneurial idea around of, you know, pitching ideas and really start pulling ideas into the commercial marketplace. I think it is really a unique approach to solving problems. And I think as we explain it to people, the, the light kind of comes on and they go, hey, I like that. Because it's not entrepreneurs standing up in front of an audience that are saying, we can do this and this and this. It's actually industry letting us look behind the curtain a little bit and listening to problems they're trying to solve and then seeing who's out there that might be able to solve it. To me, it's really unique. Completely agree. It's a format of how do you open up opportunities beyond your four walls overall, and then have those right companies that have the resources and the ability to really take these collaborative approaches and commercialize opportunities. I know at AURI, we're really in the business of commercializing new ideas and accelerating the pathway of those ideas into the marketplace to really drive impact for the food and agricultural industry. And this is a great tool. I think of this reverse pitch and open innovation model that really allows us to do that. And with a handful of companies where maybe, you know, we don't have current projects, but we can be the connector and the, uh, the bridge builder of really creative ideas to a company that has the resources and has the desire and is really looking for a way to pull those ideas into their programs and commercialize them. 
So Shannon, share a little bit, if you would, about how AURI identifies those right companies to participate. Are they contacting AURI or is AURI recruiting these companies or how does that process work? So as we look at the landscape, we do a a lot of conversations throughout the year with different entities in terms of their innovation needs and and what they're looking for. So we always have a list of companies that we know are looking for new innovations and do just a lot of conversations to identify the right mix of players and companies that are willing to pitch a need at a given time. So I would say it's a little bit of both, Dan, in terms of companies reaching out to us that are interested in it, that have viewed it over the last several years that we've been doing it. But then also for us to find those right companies that we think have the resources and have the ability to really drive change and drive impact overall. So I would say a mix of everything that comes into play. And of course, we want to see those companies that have the ability, again, to take these ideas, look for collaborative opportunities and really move them forward. I think what's been really unique for us is we've done different years where we've had wide open themes on food and agriculture, and then we've tried more themed approaches. And that does change the recruitment process in terms of the companies that are the right mix or the the right fit. In the first year that we did it, it was very corporate focused in terms of the large companies. But as we know, Minnesota has a lot of, I'd say, mid-sized agricultural businesses and cooperatives. And we also have a great nonprofit trade associations and industry groups that have the resources and the abilities to move things forward. So in the last few years, we've really done a lot more of a mix of entities that are participating and looking at this as a way that they can drive their goals forward and objectives around innovation by using the Bold Open and the Reverse Pitch platform. So if somebody who represents a company is listening to our podcast today, this is a little unique for the companies too, because they're actually identifying a weak spot or a point in the value chain of their company, and they're willing to put that out there. Are you at some point needing to coach them up a little bit or encourage them to be as transparent as possible? Or what's that process for the company? We know that sometimes it's hard to pitch things that are pretty close to the chest in terms of confidential business information. But we work with companies where they have an idea or have a thought and scope it out in a way that makes sense for them, as well as what we think would be understandable to a solution provider as an innovator or an entrepreneur to make sure that we're speaking the same language in terms of the problem that they see and how we frame it up as a problem and solution space area to those that might be submitting proposals. So it is a bit of a bit of a dance in terms of having those conversations, finding that right language that really allows us to put those innovation challenge problems out there in a way that works for both parties. And we want to remind our listeners that you're listening to the Egg Innovation News Podcast. And today we're talking about the Bold Open and the reverse pitch portion of the Bold Open. Shannon Schlecht is the executive director of AURI, and he's laying the groundwork for us. But in the second half of our podcast today, we open it up to Dr. Elizabeth Clotus. She presented a reverse pitch from Step One Foods, and we're looking forward to that conversation. But Shannon, as we move forward here on this portion of the podcast, maybe share the different challenges that were presented this year. What were the industries looking to solve? So we had a great mix of challenges this year. It was one of the years that we did a wide open innovation without a theme. 
we had a, a nice range, I would say, and diversity of innovation challenges that were being offered this year. At the New Uses Forum, we had eight companies that pitched their challenges, ranging from nonprofits, again, up to our corporate partners that were looking for solutions. This year, we had a few in the digital space, I would say, and really looking at data in terms of what are ways that we can provide better insights through the data that is being generated across multiple platforms. How does it come together in a way that's usable and tangible for for industry as well as for producers to make insightful decisions using that data and driving their business forward. And then I say another theme area that came out of this year was really around sustainability and upcycling. Formel Foods, for example, looked at upcycling the raw materials into different opportunities that they might have and just better understanding the landscape of raw materials that exist across Minnesota and across the region that they might be able to utilize in some of their processes or products and help meet some of their sustainability goals. And then Busy Coffee is growing quickly as a business and they're generating a lot of coffee grounds as their business continues to grow. And they were looking for you know, what are other ideas for a higher value use of their spent coffee grounds and ideas that others may have beyond composting that they're doing today, for example. And then ARI, we also had a challenge around nutrient recycling. And this is an area that's high interest to us in terms of thinking about the different byproduct streams and co-product streams that exist out there and thinking about fertilizer markets and circular approaches of nutrient recovery that could go back into agricultural applications, as well as provide a value stream for those processing businesses or producers that are generating those different byproduct streams. And then we had a nonprofit that the Egg Innovation Campus through Minnesota Soybean that really pitched their concept that they have, which is very novel in terms of operating a small oilseed crush and really looking at that chasm of development in terms of just the challenges that companies have in that valley of death of you figured out the research element of it and now how do you uh, scale that up and, and get to the critical masses to make it interesting from a business opportunity. And they pitched the need for collaborative partners in terms of making that a successful endeavor as well and really helping each other other in terms of new oilseed innovations and the opportunities that exist there. And then you've already mentioned Bremer in terms of their challenge of looking for more timely opportunities for small loans. And then Step One Foods, which is a really interesting company in terms of food and health and medically tailored foods and a big challenge in terms of how do we think about diet in terms of our health and how do we get past the pharmaceutical side of it, of the root cause, I would say, of some of the disease issues and the simple solutions versus thinking about the root cause or how do we get to the heart of it and thinking about healthcare models differently and medically tailored foods differently. So a broad range, right? As you heard there, Dan, in terms of what we had at this year's Bold Open. So Shannon, as I hear you tick those off, I think it's important for our listeners to remember that even though the Bold Open and the reverse pitch is done at an AURI event, the New Uses Forum, these pitches are not really geared toward AURI, but geared toward the entrepreneurial or research world in general. So anybody can listen, pick up on an idea and try to solve it. Is that right? That's exactly right. This is really geared towards getting a point of entry into some of these companies through this unique platform. So I would say it's really for anybody that has novel ideas that are looking to commercialize those ideas, find a, a synergistic partnership or relationship around some ideation that they've had, and then submitting their concept through the Bold Open website and the proposal framework, because that ensures that it gets in front of AURI for some due diligence. But more importantly, we've got the point of entry into these companies to make sure that you're having the correct conversation with somebody that can move it forward. There is merit in that idea, and if it's a good fit for what they were looking for from a solution space. So first of all, maybe two or three steps here. How can someone review the pitches that were made this year? 
early on, are there non-disclosure agreements that have to be reconciled? And then what are some of the benefits to the entrepreneur or the researcher who might want to try to submit a proposal or solve a problem? The best way to view the proposals today is through our Bold Open website, which is boldopenmn.com. And all of the proposals are listed there along with videos of the pitches from the, the different companies. So a couple of different formats or channels that you can use to look at those challenges and get a better understanding of them. And then there is a submit a proposal icon with the Bold Open website as well. And that is the, really the best way to submit a non-confidential. So there's no need for a non-disclosure agreement or, or sign off. There's different terms that are listed there. And that just allows for a really high level overview of the idea to be submitted and to start that process and to start that conversation. That submission comes through to ARI, we take a look at it. And if we have any questions or anything, we go back to the submitter and then pass it along to the company in terms of their review and whatever those next steps might be on their end. It could be a one-on-one -on -one conversation starting that process of non-disclosure agreements and confidential conversations, and hopefully then moving forward on that idea to a next step from a development phase and seeing how it might be implemented and how it solves that problem. That would be the easiest way and the best way to get your idea because it does get in front of both ARI and the company that offered that innovation challenge. And again, I think from a standpoint, it gets the right point of entry into those companies, as well as a known first step that there is a problem that you're solving when you submit this. So you're not just submitting a pitch in hope that that idea will be resonating with the company, but you're actually very targeted in terms of that possible synergistic relationship and potentially resources that could help move that idea forward and create a win-win outcome. And it just seems like through this process, you've opened the door that is sometimes very hard to get open. I think that's exactly right. It's sometimes hard to navigate through the channels in terms of who should I talk to, who's the right person to go to. And we do solve that issue through this platform because we've got identified parties at those entities that are focusing on these areas. It's something that they think about on a daily basis in terms of how do we look at innovation and solutions to solve these problems that we're seeing, eases that process and makes it much more efficient. Shannon, if someone has an idea, they've maybe gone to the website, looked at some of these pitches, they have an idea for a solution to one or more of those challenges, what do they need to do now to submit a proposal? And is there a deadline? We do have a deadline of June 2nd of submitting a proposal for this round of Bold Open Challenges. So I would encourage, again, anyone that has an idea, submit early through that Submit a Proposal button because that gives us a little bit of time to do some diligence around it as well with you, help frame it up appropriately, and then have it meeting that deadline of June 2nd. But I'd also encourage those that have ideas. We've got several years of challenges listed on the website as well. While our focus is on this year's challenges, go back and review those other challenges as well, just to get a good idea of different challenges that companies are facing as you're thinking about solutions or ideas. I think it really gives a good landscape of challenges that companies are facing and hopefully better positions you for having those right conversations and achieving that pull approach of moving ideas through this innovation pipeline that we have. Those would be a couple of thoughts. You can always submit ideas around those as well if you have something. I don't think those challenges ever really go away, but I would highly encourage you to focus on the 2023 challenges through June 2nd, and then maybe go back and revisit into the summer on some of those other innovation challenge areas. Do these proposals need to be pretty tight or can they be kind of general to see if they're on the right track? So we have a template through that submit a proposal with different fields that are outlined. So just fill those in as best as you can. And I would encourage it to be relatively general, but yet to the point of navigating that a little bit to make it of interest for the company to reach out and have a conversation. 
I think there's a lot that can be done without divulging too much confidential information at this point in this early stage. And I would encourage those that have ideas again to submit, use those templates that we have, and then keep it as non-confidential as you can in terms of what that submission is. And then we can work on that behind the scenes with the Bold Open companies that participated this year. Great stuff today on Ag Innovation News, Shannon. Appreciate your time today and good luck on getting some of those submissions brought to light. Thank you, Dan. It's always fun to talk about open innovation. I have had conversations about open innovation in our reverse pitch with so many different entities from around the country, and they're really excited about this model and several others are trying it and seeing how we can all work together to really accelerate some of these innovation opportunities. I look forward to hearing from our first challenge provider from Bremer Bank and to Step One Foods as well. And again, hoping that we see a lot of great solutions from this amazing entrepreneurial ecosystem that we have here in Minnesota and across the country that are really trying to drive food and egg innovation forward. And that concludes our conversation with Shannon Sleck, the Executive Director at AURI. Let's move on to our guest in today's podcast, Dr. Elizabeth Clotus from Step One Foods. Dr. Clotus, welcome to the Egg Innovation News Podcast. Thank you for joining us today. And tell us a little bit about Step One Foods, its mission and its purpose and organization. Thanks so much for having me here. It's a pleasure. Step One Foods is really a idea, concept, and then eventually company that arose from my experience as a physician. I, I'm a cardiologist. I continue to practice, and I've been doing this for over 25 years. But what I have to tell you is my realization after all this time in practice is that what I've been taught to do makes no sense. High cholesterol, here's a pill. High blood pressure, here's two pills. Without ever addressing the dietary drivers that are fueling these diseases, the result is is almost, you know, predictable waiting rooms that are full of people with perfect numbers, but imperfect health. And turns out if you don't address the root cause, you can never affect a cure. And truly all I do all day long is treat the downstream effects of poor diet. And what is abundantly clear is that the answer lies not in more and more pills. The answer lies in food. At Step One Foods, we believe, we actually know food is medicine. And our mission, I would say, is to transform the way we address diet-driven chronic disease by placing food at the center of care. But this is going way beyond just eating better, right? It's not about slapping a bunch of check marks on boxes. I mean, if you're going to use food as a formal part of care, you have to have foods that actually fit into the care model, meaning these foods have to be condition-specific, dosed, and testable, just like drugs. You have to make a food intervention a familiar intervention for physicians just as much as, as they are for patients. So we're really pioneering this medically tailored food space. And our measurable health outcome is lowering cholesterol using two doses of our foods per day. That is a story that we hear often that we're not eating right. And I think it's amazing that a heart specialist has decided to take it upon herself to create the foods that we should be eating in the right amounts to reduce what we're doing to our bodies. It's not a difficult decision to make, right? No, and honest to goodness, I should be out of a job. As a society, we are burning money paying people like me because what I treat is entirely preventable and it's primarily driven by nutrition. If you think about the risk factors for heart disease, right, there are seven modifiable risk factors. So inactivity, smoking, 
high cholesterol, high blood pressure, high blood sugar, diabetes, excess weight, poor diet. If you look at those seven, two, smoking and inactivity, are the only two that are not related to nutrition. The other five are related to what we eat. We can, we can eliminate the vast majority of heart disease by just changing nutrition. And Dr. Clotus, I know we have had you at several of our events and functions, and you have been on some of our panels. Did AURI participate in the development of the Step 1 Foods program at all? AURI didn't help us develop it, but they have been incredibly supportive and helpful in helping us find co-manufacturers, <laughs> sources for ingredients, and, and exposing us to the ecosystem, which is agriculture and, and the ag industry in Minnesota. Honestly, we think we are kind of an interesting approach. We could help Minnesota become the, the epicenter of food as medicine, because this is the state that excels at agriculture. This is the state that excels at, at healthcare technology and healthcare. Boy, if we combine those two, we could be the national hub for, for these types of efforts. So super excited. And, and, and AURI has kind of embraced us in, in that context, and, and we're grateful to be included in, in their thinking. And this year at the 2023 New Uses Forum, uh, during the Bold Open Reverse Pitch, Step 1 Food stepped up and said, we would like to solve a problem. Tell us what that problem is that you'd like to see solved. To kind of recap, medically tailored foods, they're ready-to-eat foods designed and dosed to yield a specific health outcome and address a specific diet-driven condition, and they have been proven effect by a randomized controlled clinical trial. So this is not just kind of a good-for-you food. This is food that has met a super high bar of validation, the same bar used to anoint drugs for treatment. And so, like, we've got this, right? We've proven that, that this works for a specific condition. And yet, despite everyone agreeing that dietary change can yield health improvements and can reduce care costs, foods with clinically proven health benefits, like step one, have not achieved any meaningful access to coverage within health insurance or employee wellness channels. It is amazing to me. We are willing to pay, sometimes handsomely, for solutions that cover up the problem, but have not created any incentives for solutions that address the root cause of why the patient is sick in the first place. We've even looked at this. Step one foods has done an analysis. Well, actually, Wakely Consulting, a, an actuarial firm in, in DC, has, has done analysis on the cost savings or the cost implications of using step one foods in care. And what they found is that for every dollar spent on step one foods could yield a $2.32 savings in care costs. So innovation is way overdue for health insurers and employers, I think, to pilot and experiment with medically tailored foods to prevent, treat, and manage diet-driven illness at its origin, at its origin, right? Not just treat symptoms, treat the root cause, especially since we can see this, pharmaceuticals have failed to stem the tide of these conditions or keep costs down. I mean, cardiac care costs are spiraling out of control. So we really think this innovation should happen in Minnesota. And that's our challenge to the greater community. Like I said earlier, Minnesota leads in both agriculture and medical technology. Shouldn't we also lead in the medically tailored food space? And not just in development, but in deployment. So we see Minnesota-based companies, including medically tailored foods under their self-insured plans, 
and insurers with a Minnesota presence offering medically tailored foods as a partially or fully covered option for diet-driven conditions not adequately treated with medications alone. Like we can make a huge difference with food. And giving people an opportunity financially to make better choices. Right. I mean, this is the incredible thing is drugs to the consumer, to the patient, are essentially free. They cost nothing. But food is something you have to pay for out of pocket with post-tax dollars. So if you're going to get a free solution to lower your cholesterol, or you're going to be asked to pay for the thing that solves why your cholesterol is is, is high in the first place, like, what are you going to do? Well, you're going to take the free thing, because plus it's just a pill. It takes no effort whatsoever. So the, the incentives are all misaligned, but that misalignment is driving healthcare costs and it's not curing anything. And doctor, I want to come back and talk about partnerships and what success might look like, but I'm curious who you're trying to connect with. What innovators do you think are out there that could solve this problem? We would love to work with an employer who wants to be a leader in transforming healthcare. Someone who is forward-thinking and see what we see, a care system that's not solving what it's been tasked to solve. And maybe this employer employs a significant number of people that have poor cardiometabolic health. You know, the trucking industry, for example, is almost a poster child for employees that have poor cardiometabolic health and could benefit from a food-based intervention. Or maybe employers like, frankly, the government of Minnesota who face long-term insurance or care obligations for its, its workforce, even post-retirement. This is where long-term health matters. For insurers, I mean, we'd, we'd love to work with a group that has an ability to identify members that could especially benefit from an intervention such as ours. So in our case, because we're designed to specifically address high cholesterol, though food has many effects beyond high cholesterol, positive effects, but individuals who can't take statin drugs, which are cholesterol drugs like Lipitor, or they refuse to take medications for their high cholesterol or are not a goal despite maximum tolerated doses of generic drugs. These are populations of patients in whom we can impact health rapidly, but they're at increased risk for sudden life-changing and expensive cardiovascular events. And, and we can impact that by lowering their LDL. Every percentage reduction in LDL or bad cholesterol translates into a percent reduction in risk. It's it's one-to-one. -one. So it's astonishing what, what you can do by, by even modest cholesterol reductions across a population from the standpoint of healthcare costs. And everybody pays for that. Everybody pays for that. So again, just kind of recap that piece of it. You're not necessarily looking for someone who is an expert in the medical field. You're looking for someone who's willing to set up a pilot project to bring their employees into this pilot and look for results. Is that right? Absolutely. First of all, we know we will have success because we've done the clinical trial, right? We, we did this with, with Mayo Clinic and University of Manitoba, and we showed in 30 days we can move LDL cholesterol down. A significant amount, on average 9%, with some people experiencing medication level reduction in 30 days. Not with drugs, with step one, food. So we know we can affect a positive health outcome. And we've been able to democratize this in a direct to consumer model. We're out there and people are responding. 
I've yet to find a patient who wants to be put on yet another pill. (laughs) Like if they can solve their health issue eating differently, they want to do that. Surveys have shown this 90% of people, it's probably actually closer to 100%, but 90% of people want to solve their health issues with changing lifestyle rather than taking more drugs or undergoing procedures. It's just that the lifestyle changes is sometimes complex and it's hard to do. And so we end up with people on drugs, but that doesn't mean we shouldn't keep trying. And what I'm proud of is that step one foods has made it really easy, but we've had success in clinical trial in a direct to consumer model. Imagine what we could do in a population environment where we can actually look at a broader group. And that's what's super exciting. And I think a pilot program would be amazing. I know we would have positive results. I need to go back to step one foods for just a second, because there's a lot of diets out there. There's a lot of claims being made. And I know some of the step one food products because I have it in my pantry, but maybe a little more identification of what step one foods food looks like and tastes like. And what is it that step one foods seems to kind of hang their hat on? So step one foods are formulated specifically to help impact cholesterol. And we know how to do that. We can lower cholesterol through increasing whole food fiber intake, healthy omega-3 fat intake, plant sterile intake. Plant sterols are natural plant components that prevent cholesterol absorption in the digestive system. And by increase our intake of antioxidants, which help make circulating cholesterol less toxic. So this is based on science. The formulations are not random amalgamations of ingredients. This is about having benchmarks for levels of these critical nutrients. And so delivering them in precise doses from real whole food ingredients. So combining those ingredients that are especially rich in these particular nutrients, flax seeds, chia seeds, oak bran, walnuts, almonds, fruit. So it's whole real foods, but they happen to be incredibly nutritionally dense and nutritionally impactful. And the idea is to eat them twice per day, instead of something you're eating already. So it's really, instead of taking a pill twice a day, two doses of drugs, this is two doses of food instead. And it's literally that simple. It's not about turning your life upside down. It's not about requiring you to be a vegan. It's just two simple dietary tweaks during the day that are primarily focused on breakfast and and snacks. So we have 10 total products. So there's five different bars and five different dry mixes. So two different oatmeals, a pancake mix, a smoothie mix, a raw ground granola. So everything is pre-dosed, pre-measured, takes minimal to no prep at all to make these. So super simple. And literally that's it. And even with that tiny dietary change, you can see significant cholesterol reductions in 30 days. Dr. Clotus, I want to continue our conversation. But first, I want to remind our listeners to the Egg Innovation News podcast that we are talking today about the bold open and the reverse pitch that was recently held at the New Uses Forum. Dr. Elizabeth Clotus is with us today. And let's talk about success and what that looks like to Step One Foods or to you What's the potential that somebody's going to step up and want to do this? And what does success look like for you if this does take place? If you're looking at it from the standpoint of employers, success for them is healthy employees, right? And lower healthcare costs. If you're looking at this from the standpoint of the agriculture community, it's opening up a big new market and with the recognition that food is medicine. 
I'm a care provider, I'm a doctor first. And for me, the most important potential outcome is measurable improvement in the health of people. Whether that's a subset of insured lives or a group of employees, rapid, meaningful, positive health changes are almost guaranteed. Food is the solution to our healthcare problem, and we can solve this. So success to me is all those things, and then over time, Minnesota becoming the leader in medically tailored foods, the hub and innovation center for a whole new industry. And success for you would, in my mind, greatly impact your industry. Absolutely. And step one foods, I'm a cardiologist, I'm focused on cholesterol and and cardiovascular care and prevention. There is no end to the chronic health conditions that couldn't benefit from targeted dietary support as part of the treatment plan. Imagine if even one medically tailored food was partially or fully reimbursed by an employer wellness plan or insurers like drugs are, or some of these more traditional approaches. The floodgates right, of innovation just burst open to, to create other foods that were proven to measurably impact these other diet-driven diseases. The food market is 1.7 trillion. The healthcare market is 4.5 trillion in size. The numbers speak for themselves. Where do you wanna be? But if you look at it in terms of public benefit, I started this because no one was solving a problem I was seeing. And I could go and try and petition the FDA to, you know, to, to, or USDA to, to change some of their incentives or the FDA in terms of how it allows us to talk about food or Congress to change reimbursement. I mean, all of that just takes decades My patients don't have decades to wait. They need a solution now. And if we want to rapidly transform our food environment from one that helps build disease to one that helps build health, this is for sure a way. Create the economic incentive that has nothing to do with government or anything else that says like, okay, let's change the foods we're going to make. Let's prove they're good for us. Let's do clinical trials. Let's make every single item in a grocery store something that we can put in our grocery carts and feel good about, as opposed to something that we have to study like a food scientist and and decide whether it should land in our carts. Food shouldn't be work. It shouldn't be a full-time job. We should just eat and be healthy. Have you almost oversimplified it? (laughs) Well, you know, but that's true. We're the only mammal on the planet that doesn't know what to eat. True. (laughs) I believe you're right. I want to move away from Step 1 Foods for just a second and talk a little bit more about the Bold Open because you were kind enough to participate this year and get involved in the reverse pitch. What drew Step 1 Foods or what drew you to get involved this year? Well, first of all, we are part of the Embold program and we're one of four companies that was chosen to participate in this, which really harnesses the the power of, of resources within the state to accelerate the growth of companies that are showing promise to actually, you know, not only thrive, but grow into really big industries. So we're, we're super flattered and very excited to be part of that program. And the Bold Open you know, is an opportunity for us to present our vision to a food industry audience, you know, that's interested in innovation and new areas of growth. 
I think step one, we check everything in the innovation bucket. I mean, literally everything we've done has been innovation from the concept to the execution to how we've approached the marketplace. We've done it all differently than, than a traditional food company. But the ultimate goal is to really innovate and transform health and healthcare. And we need to get beyond our, our own success in the direct-to-consumer environment. A pilot program, as you mentioned, with an employer or insurer would be a game changer for, for us for that. And, and our ability to present that idea to that audience was, was, was really exciting. And the ability to talk about it with you is great. Are there others in the industry like you who are trying to innovate? Well, there's lots of innovation happening in, in the food space. It's interesting. In some ways, when I got into this, I couldn't believe that we were kind of it. And I still have yet to run across a food company that has done what we've done, which is to very deliberately formulate the food, pick a condition, do a clinical trial, really follow a pharma model applied to food, like real food, not not a chemical concoction, not ensure or something like food. So we are pioneers, but like I said, we can't be the only ones. There's there's so many other health conditions that need help with solutions like this. So I, I hope we see lots of other entrepreneurs and maybe even physicians, that's how I started, get into this space and do it right. I think we set the bar high because we take this very seriously. This isn't just a food with a nicer box or, or more check marks. Like this is about someone's health. This is very serious. And you use the word food often in your answers and it's in the name of your product. You really are committed to the fact that food is the difference maker. It is absolutely the difference maker. This began when I started asking people about what they ate because I just, I, I was baffled. No matter how many drugs I threw at people, no matter how perfect I got their numbers, no one looked any better. No one felt any better. You know, that they were telling me they were feeling worse with all the drugs I put them on. It was only when I started to address nutrition and helped people change what they ate that I saw cures for the very first time. Food is the problem. And food is the solution. Challenges for step one foods. What's the next big thing? Are you working on anything that our listeners should be aware of? We're working on continuing to expand our product line. So to give people more options and choices for the way they can consume these vital nutrients in a, in a way that fits with their lifestyles. So trying to provide even more variety than we've done. And that is challenging because we formulate food for health not for manufacturability or scale, right? So, which is interesting because part of the reason why we're kind of in this mess is that the equipment that's used to make foods requires specific flow rates and flow agents and syrups and things to, to make it go at scale. Well, those flow agents and syrups and all these different additives are part of the problem. So to find co-manufacturers that can make our products at scale has, has been challenging, but we're doing it and, you know, <laughs> we're innovating away. So that's a challenge. I think doing more clinical trials, would love to do more, but honestly, without outside funding and help, it's, it's almost impossible. We could not have done our original clinical trial without, ironically, the support of government of Manitoba. We couldn't get any monetary support here. It's expensive to do a trial. And unlike a pharma company, which ends up with a product that they can charge hundreds of dollars per dose, 
at the other end. You can't charge hundreds of dollars for a bar, no matter how effective it is. It's food. So the economics are really favorable for this type of work, and yet it's vital. Like, how can you tell somebody it's good for them if you haven't proven that it's good for them? This is a different level, a different bar of proof. So if someone wants more information on Step 1 Foods, where do you send them? We invite them to come visit our website. So steponefoods.com. There's information there about the clinical trial. There's obviously information about the foods themselves. I write a blog every week about food-related or cardiovascular health-related topic. My goal truly is to put myself out of work. This is a condition that need not exist. It's completely preventable. The way we live is the key, and food is in the hierarchy of the things that we have control over and we can change. Food is absolutely at the top. Dr. Clotus, as we wrap things up, would you one more time state your challenge at the reverse pitch this year? Our challenge is to lead in not just agriculture and medical technology, but the, but the two things combined, the medically tailored food space in Minnesota, not just in development, but in the deployment of this new approach to health and healing. And what we're looking for is to partner in a pilot program type of way with forward-thinking employers and insurers who want to innovate within the healthcare space, which is currently failing our patients, and it's not delivering what it's supposed to deliver, which is better health and cures. Dr. Elizabeth Clotus from Step One Foods, thank you so much for your time today. I appreciate it. Thanks so much for having me. Well, that concludes today's Ag Innovation News podcast, and I do want to thank Dr. Elizabeth Clotus from Step One Foods for joining us today. I want to thank you, too, for joining us and for listening to the Ag Innovation News podcast presented by the Agricultural Utilization Research Institute of Minnesota. Thanks to our podcast crew, Eric Evans, AURI Director of Communications, and Lisa Martinez, AURI Communications Coordinator and the editor of this production. To learn more about AURI, you can visit us at auri.org.